Welcome to Miami Creators. I am your host, Corrado, and each week I bring you the inspiring stories behind Miami's most influential businesses, individuals, entrepreneurs, and more. My guest today combines her background as a street photographer and graphic designer to achieve incredibly immersive storytelling results. Working with global tech brands like Facebook and Google, Sin Lagos is without a doubt one of the most influential creators in Miami. On today's episode, Sin and I cover a wide range of topics, including her approach to working with big brands, how to marry creative vision with business goals, the value of learning and drawing inspiration from other fields, and of course, we discuss her unbelievable experience of being selected by Adobe as one of nine creatives out of literally thousands of applicants for the 2019 Creative Residency Program. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy this exciting and compelling conversation with Sin Lagos. Cynthia, welcome <coughs> to the show. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm really, really excited. A lot of exciting things coming my way. I know, I know. Mm -hmm. But before we get started, why don't you take a couple of minutes and intro yourself, what you do, what you've been up to lately, and we'll go from there. For sure. Um, yes, so my name is San Lagos. I am a street photographer and graphic designer based here in Miami, Florida. My focus currently and uh, this year is teaching um, aspiring artists such as myself visual language um, the same way that I have learned my personal disciplines it's I want to be able to sort of teach others how to go about that and and um, approach self-teaching journey and so is it focused more on the design side of things is it focused on photography or are you just kind of combining all of these things yeah into I, one? I I get this question a lot, and I think the reason, I, part of the reason why I decided to do this project, Visual Language, was because when I was studying photography, I felt like the community of graphic designers and photographers was very separated. But as a, an artist, I felt like the principles were very much the same. So now that I'm learning videography, I'm finding that that also applies in videography. So then I start, like, a light just, like, turned on. And I realized, you know, this is all visual communication and it applies in every discipline that you are um, approaching through like a visual means, whether that's an art form or something as specific as graphic design or um, street photography. Okay. And so maybe give the listeners a sneak peek of what are the types of brands that you work with? What are the types of projects that you that you like to work on with those brands and, and everything. Yeah, one of my favorite brands that I've had an ongoing relationship with is uh, Google. Um, I really can't believe I can say that, <laughs> but it's honestly like just been an incredible experience to also practice um, the business side of this entire industry, right? Um, so I've been approached by companies like Verizon, um, Leica, Toyota, and I think that is an incredible uh, testament to how how much we have accessibility to huge brands today, how much they respect us as individual artists. You mentioned something interesting of getting to learn 
the business side of it. What, what do you mean by that? And because it's a conversation that as I've been having these conversations with people, it's funny enough, it's a very recurring theme, this creativity versus business side of yeah. how people approach it differently, what they feel the most yeah. comfortable with, what they need help with. And so talk to me a little bit about that. Absolutely. I think there is a phenomenon where an artist is so incredibly good at his work or her work, but they can't seem to get, you know, like paid for it, or they se can't seem to get, um, quote unquote success for all of their efforts. And I think that stems from like, just not knowing how, how to separate the two, how to put on like the business hat or the entrepreneur hat and say, okay, I need to be very logical about this. This isn't about coming up with concepts out of thin air. There is a tried and true method to how I should um, deal with business relationships that will work. So sometimes I struggle between those two because they do seem like two different parts of my brain, <laughs> but it does help um, to, to recognize that if you are only one, you're going to suffer. The same applies if you're only entrepreneur and only a business person, you might not have the sensibilities and vulnerability of being a true artist where you really um, attach yourself and your experience into your work. Right. When you're working with brands like the ones that you work with, at the end of the day, they're trying to accomplish a marketing goal, a sales goal or something. Oh, so yes. whatever you're bringing to the table creatively also needs to kind of ladder up to that business mm -hmm. goal, right? And so how how do you approach that when you're dealing with some of these brands? How do you approach that in that friction between what your creative vision is, what their marketing or sales goals or business goals may be? Yeah, I think what's the best and easiest approach is to really speak to them some way, somehow, like, like a human, right? Um, what I mean by that is oftentimes I get approached through an email, and that is not human enough for me. So I always ask, um, can we jump on a call for five minutes? I really need to know what, what is it that you want out of this relationship? Maybe I can work with you. Maybe I can't. Even if you're a big brand, sometimes I know that I have my limitations and maybe I cannot deliver um, based on whatever it is that your expectations are. And it's important for you to do that because that's when you guys have the conversation. And sometimes it sparks new ideas because they recognize that, you know, if they're approaching you, that you're very likely to already be somebody that they know is going to meet their milestones. So that usually kind of cuts, right? <laughs> you know, it helps um, all of that, like to cut the clutter. Yeah, usually they're very good about vetting who they're reaching. Exactly, to. exactly. But there are times where I have to say no and I have to say, um, I don't think that I'm necessarily the person for that. Um, mostly because maybe it's too focused on service and not enough on maintaining the integrity of my narrative as a street photographer. And then that's when I know, okay, I can't invest too much energy in this. And maybe someone else can benefit from this brand. Um, sometimes you have to say that, right? Learn right. to say no. But um, I think that helps being able to have that clear conversation of what is, what are your goals and always maintaining a very um, clear understanding of your own and having that transparency. Right. So what are some of your biggest 
influences, whether that may be other artists or other mediums that you constantly find yourself drawing inspiration from? I think for me, the most exciting things that I find myself that like really re-energize me is stepping into a, a realm that I have nothing, like I, I'm, I don't really understand, maybe. Like for example, I'll, I'll jump into web design. I know I have an understanding of web design, but there is so much that has evolved in that world. So I draw inspiration from something that has nothing to do with my work because it allows me to have my own original ideas. So it's kind of difficult to find those little pools of inspiration nowadays. Because well, and I think it kind of goes back to what we were talking earlier, that you notice that the design and photography world were at times disconnected. But mm -hmm. here you come in and you're finding a lot of connections in between and you're finding that yeah. now picking up videography, some of this photography stuff or design all of a sudden it gives you a different perspective. There's also this adding to that. There's also this, this thing that happened because I stepped out from graphic design and I started looking at graphic design from a third point perspective. I noticed that we have some little habits of, um, uh, you know, let's not use that font or let's not use this. It's very like, oh, very strict. Right. Whereas in photography is, it's Let's welcoming. Let's not use comic sense. Right. And <laughs> <laughs> photography is very welcoming to experiment and to be weird. Or in the same token, like the, the way the community approaches um, your work. Like in graphic design, it's not necessarily celebrated that this artist created that piece of work, that branding mm -hmm. that was incredible. It took them hours of their time. And it, you never really get to learn who the graphic designer was. Whereas as a photographer, it was incredible. I was like, just pushed into the spotlight, and people wanted to know who is this artist creating this work. I never had that as a graphic designer. And I think graphic designers deserve the same exact reward because there, there's just as much sweat and tears um, invested in it. So that was a, a, a nice observation I had just because I stepped out for a right. second. Right. So obviously you've been part of the creative world for quite some time. You are one of the most influential people, you know, in Miami when it comes to social media and everything. I mean, there, there's very few times do I see campaigns that are happening in Miami in social media that you can kind of spot like, oh, okay, they, they, they went around and they picked, you know, four or five people it's very rare that you're not among those one <laughs> of those four or five people that the, the brand is yeah. working with. So talk to me a little bit about how you've seen the industry evolve, right? Social media has drastically changed the way that we approach, the way that we interact with brands, going back to what you were talking about earlier. What are some of the changes that you've seen? What are some of the good things that have come from this explosion and what are some of the challenges that you see coming down the road? Um, definitely one of the greatest benefits is the level of respect that an upcoming artist um, can get from big brands that would have otherwise been completely unapproachable. So, for example, this idea that there are so many brands actually investing time and tangible money towards influencer marketing, but also towards the development of artists. Um, perfect example, the Adobe Creative Residency was in fact one of those projects where 
their energy is invested in our success. And that to me is unheard of. And the fact that like I found that about the W Creative Residency through social media is another part that just like, you know, you put it together and you just think, how is this possible nowadays? Right. And there and yet there's an entire group of people who don't really give it that that level of um of validity. They just think, oh well, it's just social media, it's just an influencer. Oh my God, you know, right? And they make that weird voice when they say influencer. <laughs> but yet some of us are reaping the benefits of having that access and having the respect from brands such as Adobe um, right. give us their time, their mentorship in order to develop our career paths. Uh, and it's a blessing. Outside of that, I, I think the challenges will be that criteria of um, individuals that don't have respect for it, that don't uh, respect the influencer and do not pay them or do not give them the liberty to man maintain that integrity of their work. Right. I think that is a constant struggle. I see that um, more often than not from just people who are not well-informed, right? Like the people that are not necessarily in it, they're not neither your client nor the artist, but they're the observers. They're, they are the audience that press that like, that change your life. Right. Or leave that comment that they have no idea how much it really counts. Right. Um, but I, I do hope that that changes, that that mindset shifts. Because the truth of the matter is, is that, yeah, it's social media, but it's not that new. I mean, it used to be like, you you probably understand word this more. It used to be word of mouth. It used to be a billboard. It used to be um, TV. And then, I mean, it used to be radio and then TV. And now we're here on mobile mm. devices. But it's still direct marketing right? some way, somehow. And it's still very much someone has an audience that you want to get an attention from and you want access to. Which creates a, another interesting dynamic, going back to that creative or business mentality. You're trying to reach a certain audience who is at times already following the artist. So they have this affinity for your visual language, right? Like right. Your, your, your style, right. they, you know what's going to, right. they what they're going to like. Your exactly. Your, your way of speaking. Exactly. Yeah. And so that is very unique and it's so hard. I've, I've worked on creating brands from scratch as a graphic designer. And I remember that the biggest thing that we struggled with was giving a personality to a brand that in reality, in the back end, is just a warehouse with a lot of products and a lot of numbers that need to, you know, be turned around. There's just how do we give personality and right. and and real a real connection to the brands that will I mean to the people that will eventually you know associate themselves so so closely to that brand that they'll eventually just and it's funny that you mentioned that because the conundrum <laughs> yeah because I I'll never forget I heard this speech once by are you familiar with Simon Sinek he's the one that did uh, start with why and all of that stuff mm -hmm. and he actually gave a presentation once at ninety nine U. And the whole gist of his presentation was, listen, you going back to his message of start with why, you need to be authentic, you need to be yourself, and then that will attract those who also believe what you believe in, and it will distance those that don't believe what you believe in, right? Right. And he was making the contrast with how brands approach it, mm -hmm. which is, how do, how do you want us to talk to you? How do you want us to behave? 
what what can we say so that you like us more? And he was like giving the example of like, imagine if you're with your friends and you go, hey guys, quick question. Uh, how do you want me to talk to you? Right. How do you want me to behave? How do you, is, is what I'm wearing okay? Like, yeah. do I need to look different? You never People like, look at you like, you never like that guy. <laughs> you, you feel like, what is wrong with you? I just like you for who you yeah, are. Yeah. Let's just, you know, be you. Yet brands do this. They, yes. they you know, figuring out their Because persona they don't know and their, right. exactly. And you know what? It's, it's hard as an artist to say, let me put myself out there and hopefully people like me. You think, why? It's hard enough to have a big circle of friends in real life, right? But I think, and something I've discovered is that there are a lot of people that they think like you. Um, and they are, you think you're so unique, but actually there's a lot of weirdos just like you and they're amazing people just like you. And so If you allow yourself to be vulnerable online, there is a risk that you're running, obviously, but there's also like a huge degree of reward. There are so many people who end up connecting with my work, who end up connecting with the path I've taken in order to achieve the things that I have achieved. And maybe they also have the same uh, background, come from the same place. So I, I think you never really know that you're actually going to create an impact. But a lot of people have that that opportunity. You just have to allow yourself to be a little bit more vulnerable. And you will never know unless you take that leap of faith. Yeah. Right? And then lo and behold, you go, oh my God, there's this entire group of, like you said, weirdos just yeah. like me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, you touched a little bit on Adobe residency. So mm -hmm. for anyone listening that doesn't know what Adobe residency is, Explain yes. what is your involvement in that? How did all of that come out to be? Yeah, so the Adobe Creative Residency is a year-long um, artist residency. And for those who don't know what an artist residency is, it usually involves um, you working on a project of your own. And this is no different. Um, so I pitched the visual language project. And a lot of my colleagues also are involved in different disciplines. So they have... Um, videography, user interface, animation, and it's quite incredible the amount of talent that is in our group. And we're nine, nine in total, and it was about 1,800 applications, applicants. So, yeah. And now we're actually going to be opening the doors for the next year's residence. Um, so I urge everyone here in Florida specifically, because I don't think enough people know about it, and I want all of my hispanic latin heritage to try out for this because it's incredible um it has been so rewarding for me the amount of mentorship that we get the amount of guidance basically and it's nuts almost to think that someone's willing to help you in the development of your career it's not just funding oh, yeah. those projects but it's it's all of the the infrastructure to support such a program right so yeah. it, it's got to be a significant um investment on their end to yeah to and it. i'm so thankful for everyone that is involved in maintaining the adobe residency um because there's a lot of individuals that just believe in this program and that's why it exists to begin with and it's really up to us also to uphold that level of success um so the way that when we started one of the things that they told us was we don't expect you to be the best we expect you to improve and change and evolve 
And that, you know, it takes off a lot of like that pressure mm-hmm. that you have on yourself. But even looking back already in retrospect, I feel like I've grown so much because I had this, like, I've always had this like energy, but to work on my, on my own projects, but I never had the, the platform to fully commit on my own projects, right? Right. You're always working on somebody else's milestone. So you kind of jumped straight into what it was and everything, but how was the process? How did you find out about this? What was the process like of selection? Like all of this, I want to hear what it was like. Uh, Yeah, I'm glad you asked. So actually I found out about it through social media, but then I dug deeper and I found out, you know, a little information here and there. I was really like, just in disbelief. I'm like, is this real? So basically the residency is a full year salary and it is a program where they um, help you with internal and external mentors. The process was me um, and all of us coming up with a concept that you think that you can develop throughout an entire year at least. So it's not just a project that you can you think you can complete in three months because that wouldn't suffice. Uh, we did pitch even the most delicate elements like what would be the budget for that year. Okay. I, and the budget might seem like something that's slightly intimidating, but you know, they just want a roundup of like, okay, sort of this much based on whatever the variables are necessary for your, your project. And Whether those are travels the, or travel, equipment or whatever, travel equipment, right. all of that. And those are the little things that probably have held you back from pursuing it yourself, right? Like on your own. And that's, that's also the reason why they pay us a salary because they understand that is one of the, um, the biggest, um, challenges for an artist to, to really follow through with a project because they, they need to be able to make a living. Right. So they respect that as much as everything else. The interview was a very rigorous process. I think I had over nine interviews. <laughs> um, at first interviews, uh, via video. And then if you get to you know, kind of strike their interest. Um, they fly you to San Francisco and then you're able to interview with different leads from independent sections. So like, for example, the, if you are somebody who's pitching a, a project that will have something to do with Photoshop, then you'll meet with the lead of Photoshop. If somebody that, um, maybe premiere, (laughs) not intimidating at all. I mean, it was, it was enough that I felt like it it felt like a Cinderella story to be jumping on a plane, everything paid, and you're going on an interview. Uh, I mean, uh, that's, that had never happened to me before. With with the company that does the programs that you live in yeah. day in and day out. Yeah. And right. I felt like, even just thinking about it, I'm just, I can't believe that I went through all of that. I remember at the end of that, actually, I I just went to celebrate because I felt like, even if I don't get it, I am so happy I made it this far. I'm so happy that i push myself. Um, nobody was telling me, Hey, there's this really cool Adobe residency that you should, you should apply to. In fact, a lot of people were saying like, what is that? Right. Um, because unfortunately in Florida, not a lot of people knew about it, but I said, you know, I'm going to try it out. I'm going to play this lottery and it went well. So that's awesome. Yeah. I think I really encourage a lot of people to just to really just submit any idea that you may have, because even if it's not completely developed, that's what the entire year is for. 
And even within the year, you have room to pivot, pivot, change, but still sort of maintain that level of productivity. That's that's the main focus. That's awesome. Yeah. So here you are doing all these amazing things. (laughs) Looking back, how has life turned out differently than you expected it to? Is this what you thought you were going to be doing? Um, Well, I'll tell you that the freedom of being able to work on something that you're so passionate about can be something that just like on a personal level can make you so happy. I used to be very, very stressed out. And I think a lot of us have that like issue of like that nine to five just doesn't cut it anymore. Um, And I mean, I see people jumping on vans and just like quitting their jobs. And that's such a big thing. But I think the industry needs to get it together (laughs) and recognize that in order to actually increase productivity, it can't just be this very like structured method of like just nine to five and, and meetings and emails. And so for example, I think it's very important to be able to have the ability or the freedom to say today, I'm going to invest my energy in doing and shooting street photography. And I feel guilty that you're maybe wasting time because you're actually doing something that's going to eventually be feeding your bigger project. Right. And you aren't scheduled under somebody else's ideas of productivity. I mean, I used to spend so much time in front of the computer and I knew that if I just walked around for a little bit, I would probably come back to that chair and have way more to offer than if I sat there forever looking like I was being productive. Exactly. So I think there's a new world and we're entering a new era of how to actually create incredible, innovative work, right? I mean, think about it. Most of the th- the people that we admire today created their work in garages and coffee shops. And, and so like we're at the end of the day, we're still humans. We need a rhythm. We don't need just like something stifling. We need, we need um, stimuli. Right. And I think that's, the one thing that I've discovered the most during this residency, that I do deserve that stimuli, that I do deserve that freedom, and that my project benefits so much from it. I'm always curious to find out about people's favorite failures. And and what I mean by that is something that at the moment felt like it was a failure, but later on set you up for success. So I definitely don't dwell on the failures that I've had, but at the moment, that I did have them, I remember approaching them differently from maybe my younger self. I think one of the biggest things that people don't realize is that we all have very similar problems. The one that comes to mind right away when you said that was financial problems, though it's, a, it's such a taboo. People don't talk about it amongst friends. So I remember being like hella broke, you know, where I was just like, I can't believe this is my situation. And at the same time saying, you know what, I'm going to just, I can't eat out. So I'm going to just cook myself like a grand meal and know that tomorrow has to be better than today because I'm already at zero. So, you know, (laughs) so I have to, so it it forced me to say, like, I think also a lot of those moments um, helped me understand that I had to go after any potential opportunity because I had no, nothing else to lose. It forced me to be creative because I had no easy 
outs, right? Like I had to be creative. Right. And and that's that's helpful. I think a lot of people don't recognize that failures is the one way that you get like that that natural fire <laughs> to be more creative. Is there something that again going back to that at the moment it felt like a failure, but later on you go, oh my God, thank God that happened, or thank God that project didn't happen, or because it later set you up for success. So being in a place where I had less, I mean, and when I say that, I can think of just, I had one camera, right? Like just one camera. This is a constant question people ask. What do you shoot with? And, you know, it's easy to say, oh my God, I don't have the best camera in front of me. But that forced me to get to know my camera from head to toe. And I feel like it's second nature for me. It's muscle memory to look at my camera and just know exactly what to do. I wouldn't have had that if I actually had the money to go spend on a new, the latest, you know, technology. So I think those are the things that like have always pushed me to have less. So less is truly more. Having less, sometimes having more really overwhelms me. Like just, what am I going to take on this trip? Should I take the GoPro? Should I take the Mavic? Should I take this? Like what? And then I can't really function. So then I've taken trips to Canada where I just took one camera and I knew that maybe I should have brought a different lens, but because I only had the one, I had to get creative. You milked it. Yeah. And so I think that's something that people... breeds creativity. I think that's something that maybe today's aspiring artists don't recognize. They really, really think that unless they have all of the equipment, they won't be able to be successful. Um, They think that unless they have all the money to have the next gig and like really provide and deliver for the next client, they won't be able to be successful. I've shown up to... uh, a wedding photography, um, a wedding shoot, whatever it was, like just with what I knew I could deliver. And I did it. Right. I managed to do it. And I is that's the way you have to really approach things. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, it's no surprise that in the creative field, a lot of people get into this like gear fever, right? I need to have the latest gear. camera. I need to get this. I need to get that. And then yeah. finally the clients are going to come. And then this. Yeah. Or as a photographer myself, you, you know this, like people always ask you like, hey, I'm trying to get into photography. What camera should I get? I'm trying to get a better camera. And my, yeah. my go-to response <laughs> is always like, your phone, your phone. <laughs> yeah. Show me that you're milking your phone to the fullest potential, that you know how to use that thing inside and out. And then maybe we can talk about Moving buying on. something else. Yeah. But you already have at times a thousand dollar piece of yeah, hardware yeah, yeah. on yeah. your hand that you're just... Not utilizing. And even sometimes I I feel like a doctor when I'm like giving them, you know, sort of like, okay, so tell me what are your, what is it that you want to do? <laughs> and sometimes I arrive at like, actually, you should get a GoPro because a GoPro is a lot cheaper than a phone sometimes. And it's waterproof. It won't break. And it's very tiny and it's very portable. And this is the one that fits you. But they're like, oh, it wasn't quite the answer I was after. And, you know, it's like, well, that's my diagnosis. (laughs) So you are where you are today. You've learned a lot of very valuable lessons in life. If you could go back 10 years, what would you tell yourself 10 years ago? What piece of advice? Oh, my God, so much. (laughs) 
<laughs> we should make like a whole video out of this. <laughs> um, I want to say one, I don't know. It just came to my mind, but listen to your, to your peers, um, especially those who have been there the longest, like your art directors, um, your boss, because they have failures that you haven't gone through yet. And I have definitely experienced that where I used to say like, no, that's just you, you know, that's not going to happen to me. I know better. This is not the same industry as it used to be. Uh, but I think there was, there's so much wisdom that, that I got from my art directors and my peers that it only like resonated years later when I actually failed myself in that same exact area. So I would say like, listen more attentively. Um, I had the one thing that I had then was like, I had so much confidence in myself that I almost would block out other information. So it was good, but it was also bad. <laughs> so I would give myself that advice, be a little bit more humble. I am very humble now. I will listen to anyone who wants to provide me a, a piece of advice. I might not take it always, but it's good to listen to anyone's like experience. Yeah. You have to be humble enough to hear the advice and then be wise enough to wise enough to be able to sift through yeah. it and say, this applies, this doesn't. Yeah. yeah. And also probably don't climb the traditional ladder. Don't just say, okay, so I'm a graphic designer now. Next year I'll be a senior graphic designer. The next year I'll have you know, I'll be an art director, maybe on my business. There are so many strange um, ways of making a living today that don't necessarily fall under a specific traditional title. And you could be all of those things at the same time, actually. So I would say that don't, don't set expectations that five years from now, you're going to be at the top of that traditional ladder because it might not be for you. Right. And it may be okay. The, and may, may the, also be okay. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It may be better than actually what you wanted. Right, um, right. On the flip side, if Cynthia from 10 years from now could come back to today, what would you, what do you think you would tell yourself today? Um, wow, that's tricky. Back to the future. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, up to take more time to to take more time to just do and not do it for a reason um the reason why i what do you mean by that like i i yeah let me explain this better so i bumped into photography it wasn't because i was after a business venture it wasn't because i was after a specific result I was just walking in downtown Miami at 6 p.m. and the light was beautiful and I just wanted to have an, uh, an outlet for creativity. So it satisfied me and that was why I did it because I enjoyed it. So I would do more of that today because I think we get, it's, it's nice to be able to make an entire like career out of this, out of this thing that you love so much. But take the time to not put any pressure on yourself too. And just like do it because you want to do it. Because it has no specific reason. You just, you're there and um, you're enjoying it. Any quotes that you think of often? Yes. Or that you try to live by? All like madman quotes. Okay. For some reason. What's the one that comes to mind? 
I think it was, it was Pete Campbell who said this, <laughs> but he's, he's trying to tell Don that he is creative. He, Pete, if nobody knows, is an accountant um, in a, an advertising agency in the 50s, which is very, very different from an accountant today. So he's trying to explain to him, I'm creative too. And he tells him, listen, um, I came up with this idea, direct marketing. Turns out it already existed, but I arrived at it independently. And that, like, that stayed with me because it lets me know that he gave himself credit for putting those ideas together in his brain, regardless of whether it was real, it existed, it wasn't, maybe it wasn't unique, but like he gave himself credit for the fact that he's able to do that, that he is creative. And I think that happens to, all, to us all the time. Like I'll come up with a, an idea and it turns out it already exists, but hey, I got to benefit from my neurons connecting right. all of that together and coming up with this really cool concept. Or sometimes it may be, you know, it was invented, but it was remixed into something. Yes, exactly. Different. And you could find out that it's already, it already exists, but you can innovate it and come up with something really unique, a unique angle to that. And that, that has applied to so many things. I remember people used to like make me feel bad because I photographed a palm tree and I'm like, well, I, I'm going to, I'm going to photograph this palm tree in my own way. So, right. you know, so it's going to count. In one way very, or another. Very, very cool. So let me switch gears a little bit and go into what I'm calling Miami rapid fire. <laughs> and so you're obviously oh, scared. Miami, <laughs> Miami girl. Just quick, first thing that comes to mind. We may go Cafecito. deeper into <laughs> croqueta or or um Pandebono. Pandebono. Okay, okay. Actually. So favorite Miami food spot. And dish? Paseo Catracho, because it's Honduran, where I'm from. And um, Plato Saibeño, because it's from a very beautiful place in Honduras that is like gorgeous. It's just like clear water. It's called La Ceiba. Okay. And I love it. So My what's mouth the is dish? getting watery what, what, what just thinking about it. So what is the it's, actual dish? It's um, green plantains. Okay. Covered in this red sauce with repollo. I don't know how to say that in English for some reason. And where is this? It's in Cayocho. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. It's one of my favorite places. And my mom approved of it, which makes a huge difference. Okay. Yeah. If mom approves it, then, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Very, very Just cool. Like everywhere else, she was like, not quite. <laughs> favorite spot in Miami to get those creative juices going? Um, if you have some time for yourself and you're going to go and either photograph or work on something, where are you going? I, well, it, it always changes, but I absolutely love Little Havana neighborhoods like Alopata. I love Wingwood, of course. Um, and South Beach all the time because it's a different energy. Like all of those neighborhoods I just mentioned to you have such a distinct energy between themselves. So I, I'm lucky that I get to just like pick whatever mood I'm like in. Like in South Beach, like give me an example. What's a spot in South Beach um, that people can usually find you at? If you're in South Beach, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll bleep it out. We'll bleep it out so that you, your privacy is maintained. <laughs> um, 
in South Point. I love South Point. South Point I love that yes. area. Um, the sunrises there are just yes. You know, the sunsets are yeah. incredible. Actually, my favorite place to be in are um, are not related to being on my computer. Actually, yeah. uh, it's um, South Point Park. We practice acro and uh, slackline. Slackline. Do you slackline? Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> Every time people that see me, they're seems... just like, "What's what are you doing up there?" <laughs> that. I, every single time I see that, I'm like, nope, yeah. nope, nope, yeah. I can't do well, that. Well, I have some friends that are incredible at it. I'm still okay. learning, but it's amazing. So it, it's a it's a meditative space for me. So that's always very, like I said, less is more. Right. That place helps me get started on, um, on my week a lot like better. Love it, love it. If you are driving or out and about in Miami and you have some headphones on or you're in the car... What are you listening to? What kind of music? Any podcasts? Any um, audiobooks? What? I actually bike everywhere. Okay. Um, um, so then you should not have headphones on. Or at least um, not that loud. Not that loud. Yeah, <laughs> not that loud. But it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so um, I love listening to... I love listening to Spanish music. Like I love listening to 90 Spanish. Okay. Like Mana. I love okay. it. <laughs> Um, Carlos Vives. Okay. It's just, it, it, it makes me feel like, like, yeah, I'm in the tropical Miami, sunny Miami. I have a feeling know? like you and my wife would just completely <laughs> share playlists on Spotify. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like those kind of songs, <clears throat> excuse me, it's those kind of songs where like some people s grew up with, with, with those songs because of their parents. So, or because they were born in whatever country, like, because they were born there and raised there. Um, and we just always connect. We just bond over the song. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, that was It takes you back, right? Yeah, it really like, takes yeah. you back. And I think it's very authentic to Miami. That's awesome. Yeah. Any other creatives in Miami that you are particularly excited about, that you see them doing some really cool, interesting stuff? Yes. Um, that you want to show some love to? I recently like made a a very strong bond and friendship with Leonardo um, Botero. And he is an incredible, like he's an incredible visual artist. And the reason why I say that is because he has his hands in animation. He has his hands in graphic design. He has his hands in uh, photography. And I am just encouraging people like that, that I, I just, I can see in him so much um, passion and I encourage that all the time because it's just, it's rare when someone's not just doing it for, for the business sake, but it's really because it's something they love. And what was his name again? Leonardo. Leonardo. Underscore Botero. Botero. I'll link to it. Well, you know, we'll connect yeah, and yeah, I'll put everything yeah. in the show notes <laughs> and everything. So, yeah. Um, uh, that's an example of like those friendships that I've developed through social media because we realize that we are like-minded people and meeting in real life is just like so natural once you recognize that, oh my God, we, we already love each other's work. Right. And it, you know, you can develop so many strong friendships and social media is not confined to just your phone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So before we close, share with the listeners anything that you're currently working on, where they can find out more information about what you're working on, follow you, connect with you, yeah. all of that. Yeah. So Anything you want to find about me is sinlagos.com. I'm very lucky to have taken all of that <laughs> in the internet. 
I am currently working on very exciting projects where I get a chance to be a mentor. Um, so upcoming, we have Skillshare. I am actually going to get to do a video, an original video with the Skillshare team, which very is cool. such dream. <laughs> it's such a like incredible thing that I, you know, I was trying to find my way into some way somehow. And um, thanks to Adobe, you know, like they just opened so many doors. Of course. Um, and I'm going. When does that come out? Um, so we're working on it now. Okay. So I can't give a specific okay. date yet, but um, we're going to actually be meeting the team. I'm going to be able to meet the team for the first time at Adobe Max. Anything else? What's the best uh, way for people to connect with you if they want to connect? Um, so my my website. My website okay. is everything. I've created the space specifically because I want people to feel like comfortable to ask me any questions, even if it's not about a project that we can work on together. But just if you have questions about the Adobe Creative Residency, if you have questions about a career path or anything that has inspired you, uh, from my my development in my career, I welcome everything because it's honestly the best way that I'm, I stay connected with the community. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, Sin, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Hey guys, this is Corrado again. Just wanted to share two quick things before you take off. One, for detailed show notes, recommendations of people or businesses you'd love to see featured on the show, and even more, head over to miamicreators.com. And two, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and share this with someone you think would find it interesting. That's it. Until next time, thank you for listening.